Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission. Today is episode 13 and we're gonna talk about spending. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Today is episode 13, and we're just a few episodes away from the end of the season. So that means before going any further, please share this podcast. Text it to a friend, tell somebody else you've been listening to it so that we can share the message and hopefully share a blessing through it to somebody that you know. My prayer every time is that this podcast would be a blessing and that it would help to teach people the way that God taught me through reading his word. So with that said, today I'm really excited to dig into spending. We've talked before about stewardship and how important it is to manage God's money well, and then we've applied that to giving, saving, debt, and taxes, and now we get to apply it to spending. Let's start off with a passage that's found in Matthew 24 and Luke 13. I'll read it from Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household, to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him, and at the hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in this story, we see that the faithful servant gives out the proper proportions at the proper time, and he will be set over all the master's possessions. The wicked servant eats and drinks in gluttony, and he will be cut off and thrown out with the sinners. We need to be like the faithful servant, spending money on the right things at the right times and not throwing it away after gluttonous desires. All right, let's dig into how we do this. First, know the condition of your finances. Proverbs 27, 23-24 says, Know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? For a shepherd, their flock was their livelihood. So here the word flock could be applied to mean wealth or finances or anything that we possess or manage in general. It's amazing how many people don't know how much they make or how much they spend and really don't know the condition of their flock or condition of their finances. There's a famous book called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin, and she writes, Keep track of every cent that comes into and goes out of your life. That means keep track of how much you earn and keep track of how much you spend. You should know your account balance before looking at the statement because you've tracked it along the way. Know well the condition of your flock, and that's what we need to do with our finances. Okay, if we know our finances, then second is plan out our expenses. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who will see will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I love this analogy. If you're going to build a tower, you need to plan out the finances so you know that you have enough to finish it. In the same way, if you're accomplishing any mission that God has sent you on with God's money that he's trusted you with, you need to have a plan. If we just spend freely without a plan, 
we'll never accomplish the goals that we set financially. All right, you're probably thinking this is starting to sound a lot like budgeting. A lot of people don't like that word. It sounds restricting. It sounds like it's going to take away your freedoms. People hear budget and they think less, less spending, less stuff, less experiences, less fun. In reality, if tracking your expenses is done properly, a budget can actually add a ton of freedom in your finances. For example, if you budget for travel, then when an opportunity for a trip comes up, you don't have to worry if you have enough or if you spent it all on groceries because you've already made a plan and know that you have that travel money set aside. Or if you have an opportunity to bless somebody and don't know where you're going to come up with the money, but you've budgeted, then you may already have a category set aside to give that blessing. And there's so much freedom in that, knowing that your expenses are taken care of. So when opportunities arise for things that you've prioritized, you have the means to do it. That frees you up to do so much with your money on the mission that God sends you on. Okay, so how do we do that? First, if the word budget causes stress for you, call it something else. Spending plan, expense tracker, cash flow blueprint, money on a mission map, whatever you want. Take away the stress of it and go into this open-minded. Next, don't start with restrictions. Step one of building a budget shouldn't be spend less on stuff. Instead, start with where you are. When we built our budget, the first thing that we did was just spend normally and track our expenses for six months. That built up the habit of tracking it. It built up our processes for seeing where expenses went, and it allowed us to average out what we'd spent over that six months and determine how much we were spending in each category. You can do this using any method you want. Good old pencil and paper, a spreadsheet, or there's a bunch of free apps out there that will really help you do it. Mint, Every Dollar, You Need a Budget, Honeydew, and then we use one called Personal Capital. Some of these have you enter in your expenses by getting receipts and typing them in at the end of the day. Some have you enter your bank account information or credit card information and then tracks your expenses for you. We prefer this kind where the app tracks your expenses and then we just assign them to the proper categories at the end of the month. So for us, after six months, we took the averages in each category and analyzed our trends. If we were spending more than we wanted in one area, we'd try to budget to bring that area down. But there were other areas where we wanted to prioritize, but felt like we didn't have any money set aside for it, so we added those categories and built that budget up. One big one for us was groceries. We found that we were spending so much on groceries that we didn't have any left for travel. So we did some thinking and were able to fix it by switching grocery stores and limiting our grocery shopping to once a week. That kept us from doing impulse grocery runs or last minute runs on the way home and really cut that budget down. In exchange, we were able to use some of the money for travel. We always wanted to do more trips and go have more experiences, but felt like we didn't always have the finances to do it. By making the budget, we were able to set that money aside so that now when an opportunity comes up, we don't have to go see how much is in the bank or if we have enough because we know that there's that travel budget set aside ready and waiting for those opportunities. The other category that has been so much fun for us to include in our budget is spontaneous giving. We plan out our monthly giving and have it set aside mostly to go to church and the organizations that we talked about in episode 10. But for a portion of it, we just leave it up to God to lead us in random situations. And this is so much fun. This can be supporting a friend going on a mission trip or paying for a dinner for a family across the restaurant. Even if we've already spent all of our restaurant budget, we don't even have to hesitate to pay for someone else's meal because we've already allocated that money as giving. Our only rule is as long as each time we use that spontaneous giving, we use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. 
that gives so much freedom to put your money on a mission and listen to those promptings of the Lord in the spontaneous moments to go bless somebody and give and share the gospel with them by doing it. So when you're doing this, make the categories work for you. Start with the important ones that we've talked about, giving, saving, paying off debt, taxes, but from there, build it out in a way that makes sense for your life. Some budgeting plans that you can find on the internet suggest breaking out every type of expense, books, clothing, household cleaning supplies, and everything you can think of. For us, we just made it simple. We separated out the obvious categories like groceries, gas, insurance, dining out, phone bill, but for all the little expenses, we just gathered it into one big category and called it shopping. This was basically anything you could buy at Target or Walmart. Those monthly household goods like diapers and wipes for the kids or household cleaning, or if we needed a new t-shirt, new pair of shoes, this all went into that same category. That works for us, but might not work for you. Build it in a way that makes sense and helps you find the freedom by tracking your expenses. Anyways, all that to say, have a plan for your spending. We've found that making a budget has actually given us way more freedom and way more confidence in the ways that we spend. So don't be afraid of the concept. Look at it as an opportunity to gain freedom and honor the Lord in doing it. Okay, so we've talked about knowing the condition of your finances and having a plan for your spending. Now let's dive deeper into buying and selling. We'll see through a series of verses that the Bible tells us to buy what we need and not buy what we don't need. It's kind of like good news, bad news. Which one do you want first? I like to end on a good note, so let's start with what not to buy. All right, don't buy what you don't need. First, don't spend your money on sinful things. Proverbs 23, 20 and 21 say, Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Drunkenness and gluttony are not only sinful and draw you away from God, they can also lead you into poverty. You all probably know or have heard of someone whose addictions led them to spend all their money and end up broke or even homeless. If that's you, fight the addiction, get help, and find healing from the sin, and that will lead to healing in your finances. Proverbs 29.3 says, He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. This one should go without saying. If you're spending money on that, again, turn to God and seek healing from the sin. Okay. Those verses may apply to some of you, but if they don't, the next few definitely will, so stay with me. We don't spend money on things that are sinful. Second, don't spend money on things that are useless or things that make you look or feel a certain way without actually adding value to your life. Proverbs 13.7 says, One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Proverbs 12.9 says, Better to be lowly and have a servant than play the great man and lack bread. Both of these say, don't waste your money trying to look rich. Doing that is all about pride and comparison, not about actual need. And that wastes God's money that he's trusted you with and shows that image is more important than mission. That's not what we're all about in this podcast. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Mission and honoring God with our money is way more important than how our money makes us look. And that goes back to one of the 10 things that we talked about in the first few episodes that are more valuable than money, humility. If we're truly humble, we won't give in to pride and comparison, and we won't waste money on useless things that feed into that. So, whenever you're buying something, be careful to remain humble. Buy what you need, not what will make you look good to others. This is especially true with things that we know convey status, like clothes or car. When you're buying clothes, buy what's comfortable, functional, or even looks nice, but not just the most expensive brands that elevate your status. 
And then with a car, buy something reliable, practical, that does the job for your family, not just the newest and shiniest model. Okay, let's move on. If we don't buy what we don't need, that leaves us with the other side of the coin. Buy what you do need. Lamentations 5.4 says, We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. There it is, plain and simple. You need to buy food, water, and supplies. Those are the things that you need, so buy them. Often when people talk about spending and budgeting, the conversation falls into extreme frugality or stinginess. But the truth is, things cost money. So if God has blessed us and tells us to enjoy it, then we should buy those things that we need. If you've taken care of all the steps we've covered leading up to this episode, you've cultivated righteousness, humility, contentedness, you've given, you've saved, you've budgeted, then there's nothing wrong with spending what's left. Here's another example found in the book of Ezra, which contains the story of Israel rebuilding the temple. Ezra 3.7 says, So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters, and food and drink and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the grant that they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. They gave money to the people that they needed to in order to accomplish that mission. Ezra 6, 8-10 says, And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep from the burnt offering to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Again, whatever is needed, bulls, rams, sheep, wheat, salt, wine, oil, the things that they needed to do this mission of rebuilding the temple, They did. They had the money and they spent it on what was needed to accomplish that. Okay, last verse from this passage, Ezra 7, 17, and 18. With this money then, you shall with all diligence buy bulls, rams, and lambs, with the grain offerings and their drink offerings, and you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. Whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold, you may do according to the will of your God. The first part goes along those same lines, buying what they needed for this mission. The second part is really cool too. With whatever's left, buy whatever seems good to you and your brothers according to the will of your God. So, with what's left, after you've done all that we've talked about, all that the Lord has asked you with the money, the rest he has told you to live and enjoy. So, if you've worked hard in a righteous way and you've earned it, you've taken care of all the other steps leading up to it, then as long as you're seeking out the will of God, Do what you feel is right with the money that you've earned, the money that God has trusted you with. So there it is. Buy what you need. Now let's dive a little deeper into that. When we buy something, what should we pay? The simple answer is pay what it's worth. First, don't overpay. Here's a classic example from Genesis 25 verses 30 through 34. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau was so focused on short-term pleasure from his purchase that he way overpays. He sold his entire birthright, his inheritance, for a cup of lentil stew. Are you kidding me, man? That is overpaying for something if I've ever seen an example. Granted, it was something he needed, food, he was hungry, but your entire birthright? When we buy even the things that we need, we shouldn't overpay. If we do, we're wasting the money that God tells us to manage. Then we're squandering what God has trusted us with. Now, this shouldn't be taken to the extreme. 
bargaining and arguing over every purchase or spending so much time bargain shopping that you waste more time shopping than you would have wasted money from buying. Just make sure to avoid the obvious cases of overspending. On the other hand, we also shouldn't underpay for something. Keep in mind that in every transaction, there are two parties, the buyer and the seller. The seller is working and earning, making his livelihood too, so we shouldn't cheat them out of their earnings by undercutting too much when we buy. Here are two examples from the Bible. First, Genesis 23, 11-13. No, my Lord, hear me. I give you this field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give you the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Second example in 1 Chronicles 21, 24, and 25. But King David said to Ornan, No, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the site. In both of these, Abraham and David recognized that it was right for the person selling to receive payment for what they've done. And I love the part in the second verse where David says, I will not take for the Lord what is yours. He recognizes that it should be a proper exchange where one is blessed through the buying and one is blessed through the selling. In other words, David is spending God's money in a way that glorifies God, but in doing so, he also recognizes that the seller is selling goods in a way that glorifies God. So rather than make a deal that is good for one but bad for the other, he finds a price that is honoring to both sides. Now, just like overpaying, the concept of underpaying shouldn't be taken to the extreme either. There's nothing wrong with buying something you need when it's on sale. But if you're a big flea market shopper or something like that, consider that the sellers are trying to make a living too. In both extremes, just remember to keep money in its proper place and glorify God and love others in every interaction. If you do that, you don't need to worry too much about the details or exact prices. Just honor God and honor the people in the ways that you buy and sell. One last note on price. We do need to remember that as we do this, track our expenses, try not to overpay or undercut anybody. Remember that prices can change. They can rise and fall with supply and demand. 2 Kings 6.25 says, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it, until a donkey's head was sold for eight shekels of silver, and a fourth of a part of cab of dove's dung sold for five shekels of silver. This example shows us that prices will rise in a time of famine. There's lots of demand, but no supply, so prices went way up. On the other hand, 2 Kings 7, verse 1, and then forwarding to verse 16 say, But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel, at the gate of Samaria. Then in verse 16, Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. This one tells us that prices will fall in times of surplus, when demand stays about the same, but suddenly there's tons of supply and prices go way down. All that to say, when you're spending and budgeting, do your best to buy and sell at good prices, manage God's money well, but know that it can also be a fluid process. Prices change and your spending patterns might change as well. So save in times of plenty and be prepared for the times of famine. Okay, don't overpay, don't underpay, pay what it's worth. Finally. Whenever you buy, no matter what it is, where you buy it, or who you buy it from, be righteous and honoring in all of your dealings. Leviticus 25.14 says, And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Don't wrong one another. 
love one another. Buy and sell in a way that glorifies God and loves the people you're dealing with. Jeremiah 32, 9 and 10 says, And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Again, honor those that you do business with. Be righteous in it, sign the deal, seal it, get witnesses, weigh the money properly, pay the right price, and make sure that both the buyer and the seller are glorifying God in every exchange. With that, let's wrap it up on spending. So today we talked about managing our spending really well. Know the condition of your finances and plan out your expenses. When you make a budget, start with where you are, make the categories work for you, and then make incremental changes as you feel led. Remember, it's about increasing your freedom by knowing where the money will go, not about taking away freedom by making you a slave to a spreadsheet. Once it's planned out, when you do buy, don't buy the things that you don't need. Don't become poor trying to look rich. On the other hand, buy what you do need and pay what it's worth. Most importantly, whether buying or selling, glorify God and love others in every circumstance. And that will do it for today on spending. Next time, we're going to talk about the final step in managing our money, investing. But until then, if you want more from Money on a Mission, make sure to subscribe so you get the new episodes when they launch. Also, please add a rating and a review. That does a lot to boost the podcast and help it reach more people. Next, head to the website, moneyonamissionpodcast.com. You can find the show notes with all the verses we talked about and find a spot to enter your email so you can join the newsletter. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment and then send me a direct message with any questions you have or topics you'd like to hear on the show. Finally, most importantly, just like I mentioned at the beginning, please share this podcast. If you got any value out of it or think it can provide any value to someone you know, hit the share button in your podcast app, text this episode to a friend, or send them the link to the website so they can join the newsletter too. Let's work together so that we can impact as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission.